Good morning. So good to see you and glad to be with you today. Uh, <laughs> first time that's happened. Um, yeah, so uh, three weeks ago tomorrow was the date of my total knee replacement, and it's going well, and I'm coming along. And so uh, I am glad to be with you. And so it's uh, a wonder to uh, just be the recipient of so much good care, care from Baptists who uh, have the best, if not uh, the stellar programs for these kind of things, and uh, the good medicine that I will uh, always be thankful for, uh, and all the many ways in which I have gained uh, this healing uh, protocol. So thank you for your prayers, your cards, your concerns, and uh, I am on the mend and making my way forward. If this is a first Sunday for you, we are particularly glad for your presence with us today, and we have some information, uh, pamphlets in the pew rack in front of you, also, opportunity for you to tell us a little bit more about yourself if you would like, but we would like to get to know you as you get to know us, and we welcome you in the good name of a loving God. So it's good to see you. You guys have a lot of smiling faces out there. I guess that's uh, warmth and kindness, uh, and I do appreciate that. Uh, is anybody ready for spring yet? You know, it hasn't been that bad of a winter, has it? But it's been a lot of rain and a lot of gray and a lot of overcast skies. The good news is spring is coming. And if you'll look behind me, you'll notice a project of our children in the atrium who are remembering the goodness of God's gift of care for creation and how God, the wonderful creator, provides us with the beauty of the world that is around us, that God has given us flowers and trees and grass and the wake up of spring to remind us of God's eternal care for us and that these are gifts of God's care for us. These are gifts of God's love for us. And it helps us as we worship this day to spend a few moments focused on the promise of spring and also the reality of the beauty of God's creation that God has made a beautifully diverse world, a world that sometimes mystifies us, but a world that often fills us with wonder. And truly the best path for our lives are to take a few moments away from the hectic pace and busy schedules and normal stresses and anxieties of daily living and just stop and look at a bright blue sky if you've been granted one and to breathe in that lung-filling gift of air, and then every once in a while to see a little breaking forth of God's created goodness, that there is something beautiful for you to experience and to enjoy as you are filled with the awe and mystery of this created world. And so, as you worship today, give thanks for our children, for their workers in the atrium, and for the ways they are reminding us that sometimes the path and journey of life needs some help. It needs to be reminded that we are being provided for and supported by God's good grace. Would you celebrate that this day with me as we worship our God together?
Good morning. Please stand as you are able and join me for the call to worship. Happy are those who desire to walk in the ways of God. We are faithful when our eyes are fixed on him and not upon our own righteousness. We discover joy in Come, let us love the Lord our God, who has richly loved us. This is the praise that fills our worship when we are joined with the Holy One, who leads us to the true ways of life. Pray with me. Father, we come to you today asking you to grant us a vision of your world as your love would have it. A world where the weak are protected and none go hungry. A world where different races and cultures live in harmony and mutual respect a world where peace is built with justice and justice is guided by love. In your name, we ask these things. Amen. Please pass the peace.
See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways and observing his commandments, decrees and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possessed. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. For the word of the God, for the word of God that works its way into us. Let's pray again, please. Dear God, in these days, it's good to know that you are there, that our strength, our hope, our help does not come from our own wisdom, our own devices, or our own wealth, or our jobs, or our status, or our race, or our nationality, but it comes from you.
We're glad that you're in our corner, and we're glad to know that you're in everybody's corner. We pray, God, that what we do this morning will honor that gift that you've given us and promote that knowledge to all the world that you're there for us all. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. With a measure of irony, I invite you, if you are able, to stand with me now for the hearing of the gospel lesson. Today, discovered in Matthew 5, beginning in verse 21, a part of Jesus' well-known Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First to be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. The gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. past few weeks, uh, uh, we've been uh, reading uh, Everything Belongs by Richard Rohr, and then in some other reading along that too, I've, uh, I've fallen into uh, some Thomas Merton, uh, where he talks about his experience in Louisville walking down the street one day, and uh, he sees folks transformed uh, and says that, I can't believe people are walking around shining like the sun, that he sees the beloved child of God in every person walking around and says that there's no way to really explain this. This is something that you just have to believe, something that you have to stumble into, maybe. And so this song comes from uh, reflections on those things. God is watching every move you make. 
keeping track of all your wrongs. But what if there's no score? What if there's no game? You've been swimming in grace all along. Step into the light. Do not be afraid Shadows lurk in hearts But my light courses through your veins My beloved, my beloved child Hear me call your name remember when I first sang your soul away You've heard it said a wall will make you safe Keep out all your enemies What if it turns out We're all much the same we're Searching for eyes to find our symmetry So step into the light Do not be afraid Shadows lurk in hearts But my light courses through your veins And my beloved, my beloved child And hear me call your God helps those who help themselves So if you're down on your luck Then it's all your fault but What if we're here to help each other see the Grace in the places where there's still want So step into the light be afraid Shadows lurk in hearts My light courses through your veins My beloved, my beloved, my beloved child And hear me call your sing your soul away I remember when I first sang your soul away I first sang your When my son Neil was in preschool, 
We were shopping together at Walmart, and he said to me, if you really, really loved me, you would buy me whatever I wanted. And in a moment of true parental desperation, I said, Neil, I think you are confusing love with abuse. Because if I always gave you everything you wanted, I would not be a good dad. But the worst of all dads. Because over time, you would end up spoiled and you would never be happy thinking the world always owed you something. Now, I'm not complimenting my superior parenting wisdom. Neil was smart enough to figure out new ways and more effective strategies to get what he wanted. But this occasion did offer me an important theological insight. If God gave us everything we ever wanted, it would not be love. It would be abuse. Did you hear the ancient wisdom to a promised people entering into a new promised land? I set before you from heaven and on earth today life and death, curses and blessings. If you need to update your bumper sticker, it might read this. Blessings happen, comma, and so do curses, period. But it's all grace. What if those things I wanted were in conflict with others and what they wanted? Who would get their way? Would it be you or would it be me? Is it possible in all things for God to give me exactly what I want without also offending someone else? Plus, as the twisted, broken, and limited human creatures we are, can we say we are able to perceptively and adequately distinguish between what we want and what we might truly need. What if my needs are confused with my wants and my wants are too narrow and selfish and self-serving? What if avoiding the thing I feared the most would not teach me that which I most need, like humility, or empathy, or patience? What if by always serving my physical existence and cravings, I ended up diminishing my long-term spiritual maturity and damaging my greater significance and existence of this temporary life? Now, these past few weeks, we have been inviting your participation into a more committed practice and focus of spiritual disciplines. We've talked about things like focused breathing, taking a vow of silence for a period of time, both shutting down the noise and seeking to resist our commentary upon it. We've talked about cultivating gratitude and developing a positive slogan to guide you throughout the day. But I've wondered if this reminds some of you who grew up in Baptist churches of the old weekly offering envelopes. Martha Burke once gave me her old copy with the checklist. Did you read your Bible every day? Check the box. Brought your offering? Well, isn't it obvious? I'd send an offering envelope. Well, yeah, check 
the box. Attended Sunday school. Check the box. Showed up on time. Maybe in parentheses, even for early worship. Check the box. Now, all denominations have their guilt strategies. I thought Baptists were pretty good at instilling within us a pattern of guilt until I met sincere Catholics and Jews and realized Baptists don't have a corner market on guilt at all. And while such programs may have built up institutional religion, deeper down for us, it may have also taught that the meaning of Christian discipleship was nothing more than to score a few more brownie points with God. And at some point, maybe you have been liberated from this line of thinking and believing Learning that God was ultimately a God of mercy and love and forgiveness. That God was not out to get us. Was not delightfully filling out a scorecard of failure. Locked away in a filing cabinet in heaven. Ready to pull it out with condemnation and judgment. So hearing an invitation to cultivate and keep up a regular spiritual discipline may have felt like a kickback, reverting into that old negative system of performance where we were never quite perfect enough. Well, I hope you notice this about the Sermon on the Mount. We read a portion today about murder and anger, but found in chapters 5 through 7 of the Gospel of Matthew, I would invite you to read it more fully and there discover that Jesus' instruction for discipleship impacts our relationship with other humans as much as it tries to influence our relationship with God, with the divine. If we want to prove how much we really love and wish to serve God, it will manifest itself on how we treat others. I think Jesus knows it's possible to honor every letter and every word of the Ten Commandments and still hide a shadow heart of evil and discontent for the well-being of those around us. Without grace, you can never even the score. And chasing every last penny will never balance the ledger. Your whole life is wasted chasing after the wind if all you're doing is working on these grand tally sheets. So Jesus offers us something more than a transactional relationship with God, doling out a limited amount of rewards and punishments, and instead invites us into a transformational relationship with God, a God of infinite grace, that can positively impact all of our relationships, including our relationships with others and our relationship with ourselves. That there is not just a measure of grace or a little bit for you, but an infinite tidal wave of God's good grace and reality in which we are invited to step across the shore and into the surf and allow it to wash us clean and free. Good religion must become something more than a merit system. And if we spend our devotional life always trying to bargain with God, we will use up our attention by coming up constantly short with the eternal one, 
There is no such thing as a quid pro quo. We are not equal partners exchanging favors. God is complete and doesn't need my devotion to be proved okay. God is whole and healthy and doesn't require my worship as much as I am the one standing in need, bowing in humble need of a constant and perpetual reminder of the eternally loving and forgiving God in whom I live and move and have my being. I am invited, as Jesus calls us children, into the Abba's presence, the God who delights in us, in our perfections, and in our imperfections, and invites us to sit lovingly, patiently, kindly, before this resource of compassion and new life at every moment that God grants us to live. By way of grace, unmerited, undeserved, freely given, I move into the reality of God's love, not to earn more points, but to live more fully into this love and life that has taken hold of me and will revolutionize all my interactions. Practicing discipline through grace, a means by which this new way that Jesus promises of truth and liberation and exact freedom can grow and expand. Now, most Americans are familiar, maybe most people in Western civilization, I guess, are familiar with the date and significance of February the 14th. I hope you didn't forget, if you were supposed to. Still not too late, but we're familiar with that date, right? February 14th is Valentine's Day. Typically celebrated by couples renewing their love with chocolates and romantic candlelight dinners. Fewer, though, are aware of the year. We know the month, we know the day, perhaps not familiar with the year. February 14th, 269, 269 BCE. I'm sorry, the common error. February 14, 269, the date tradition says a Christian priest from Rome named Valentine was martyred. British author G.K. Chesterton once wrote, let your religion be less of a theory and more like a love affair. St. Valentine, as he was later remembered, was a man committed to love even while being persecuted by the Roman Emperor Claudius II. He is the patron saint of happy marriages and engaged couples and couples in love. But did you know he's also the patron saint of beekeepers, of epilepsy, of fainting, of meeting someone for the first time, the patron saint for those suffering from a plague, the patron saint of travelers or of young people. There are so many ways for us to celebrate love and the grace of God. Yes, if it's a part of a loving couple relationship, then celebrate that. But there is so much for us to be in love with in life. So many nuances, so many special moments, so many beautiful expressions from beekeepers to epilepsy of where we remember our reliance is completely upon the grace of God 
whether in goodness or in challenge, whether in blessing or in curse, whether in life or in death, it is all grace. And if we spend all of our times trying to make sense of the cause and effect of everything, we won't be able to embrace that powerful, mysterious, and wonderful, infinite grace that lies at the root of it all. I hope your religion can be less of a theory and more like a love affair. In a few moments, we will make our transition to the hymn of invitation. It is hymn 329. Aaron's going to come forward to receive you if you wish to make a decision public to the congregation this morning. But before we stand and sing, I have two other indulgences. First, I want to say a word of thanks to those who led in worship the past couple of weeks while I have been recovering from surgery. Um, Hannah and Kelly both did wonderful jobs. I was able to participate in your worship by the uh, YouTube live feed. And so I was with you in worship those times and enjoyed and gained much from their sermons and challenge and greatly appreciated their leadership before you and thank God for their calling and work for us. Um, and then secondly, to invite you to this invitation of spiritual practice. That perhaps you might wish to take this invitation deeper to heart as you move forward into March and Lent and the preparation of Holy Week and the resurrection of our Lord's celebrated again that you might be able to think about where is the spirit of grace seeking to touch me and lead me? Where might I encounter again in a more deeply significant way this grace of God that is pervasive in the creation of the world, revealed in the beauty of creation and brought close to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And you might even take your bulletin and use this little litany that we will speak today as a daily prayer, perhaps in the morning or during your day, maybe sitting on your dashboard of opening yourself to the spirit of grace. Where might grace lead me? Where might grace take me? Where might grace bless me? I'll ask you to think about that in silence after we read this litany and as we take this beauty of God's wonderful love from this room and into our lives. Would you read with me? God is alive and at work in the world. God's way brings truth to my confusion and purpose to my actions. Without love, it is impossible to please God. May the Spirit fill you with God's love.
we have just a, a few announcements uh, before the choir will uh, send us with uh, the benediction uh, this morning. So uh, in your news and notes, there's lots of stuff that's happening. Uh, you'll see that uh, we've been reading together, uh, some of us, Everything Belongs by Richard Rohr. Next Sunday after 11 o'clock worship will be our first book group meeting. Um, and so, uh, so you feel free to come and join us in the meeting room uh, after church. Uh, 11 o'clock worship next Sunday, and we'll uh, discuss kind of the first half of the book uh, that we've been reading through uh, each week. And uh, also, we will have a secondary time that we noted on here. I still need to get this on the calendar, um, but we'll have that after uh, our, our, uh, our uh, pancake uh, dinner the following Tuesday, which is uh, Fat Tuesday. We will uh, have a meeting shortly after that at the barn. We'll go over there and uh, hang out for a few moments and discuss the book. The same thing that we discussed on that Sunday. So you have two different options to choose from there. Um, I invite you to sign up at the table in the foyer so we can know who's interested in coming to those things so we can order some food for uh, next, uh, for the 23rd after worship. Also, um, we noted the Shrove Tuesday pancake dinner, uh, our Ash Wednesday service will be following that on February 26th, um, and there will be no meal that evening. Um, and then you'll notice some other things on the, on the other page, uh, our Habitat family visit. We're, we're working with other churches uh, in the community again this year to build a Habitat house. Uh, the HEN project, our holy ecumenical neighbors. And uh, you can join up to uh, sign up and help out with that if there's days that you could make it to help out with the bill. There's a sign up sheet on the sign up table in the foyer. We'd invite you to do that. And also on February 19th, uh, that Wednesday evening, you will see that, uh, that the family uh, that we're building for will be here uh, as well for that. So we invite you uh, to, uh, to come and find out a little bit more about that project. Uh, next week. Also, if you're interested in softball, they've told me that I'm required to play, so you know the bar is very low, um, So, uh, but we'll see. Uh, so if you're interested in softball, is there a sign, where's Charles? I don't see Charles. You're up there. There's a sign-up sheet out there. There's a sign-up sheet out there. Sign up on the sign-up sheet and, uh, and, and let us know that you're interested so we can see uh, if we might be able to get a softball team together. That's all that's going on. Thank you so much for being here this morning. The choir will now dismiss us. <laughs>